Don't say nothing. Hi, and good evening. Welcome to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. Hello, this is T. And I'm A. And uh, we're pushing pushing your boundaries on... Conventional thought. Conventional thought. And really. On all things sex, love, relationships, connections. And you know what? Really, my own boundaries on conventional thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's uh, while we're pushing ourselves, you know, we well, want you to come along with us. Exactly. We thought we'd share our struggles. Yeah. So, Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. Tonight, we're talking with Erica Lyermark. She's Lyermark, excuse me. She's the author of Think Like a Stripper, Business Lessons to Up Your Confidence, Attract More Clients, and Rule Your Market. I love her work. I think she's a super strong woman, and I'm excited to talk with her. We're going to talk with her about her journey a little bit, mm-hmm. about uh, the woman she was before and the woman she's become, and... Uh, through all of her journeys of... Well, she had a really dynamic she journey did. as well. I mean, even the pitfalls and the, you know, and the growth. Right. I, I think that... And what's interesting, though, is what I love about the work is it doesn't matter kind of what world of work you are in. Right. You always have these kinds of ups and downs. But I feel like in mainstream media, it's villainized. Exactly. In this way of like, see, it was because she was a stripper. Right, you know? right. Or judge it. And that's, we're also going to touch on that because I, and that's a, a topic that's, uh, that I'm really passionate about too, is sort of destigmatizing. Well, the, for me, I, I will see what uh, Eric has to say about it. But for me, just, yeah, destigmatizing the, you know, the idea that these careers are so degrading and are, you know, just these negative, this negative impact on women. Right. And, or are they? Or are and, they? Yeah. <laughs> or is it all of the things that you just said? And, uh, we'll question I it all. Look, yeah, I look forward to Erica chiming in on yes. her own experience and, right. you know, weighing in on that. I mean... And then lastly, we'll be talking about um, a few things from her book. She has some... Her book is chock full of amazing tips for 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 anyone who's doing their own thing and, and just wants to feel good and be successful at it. She has a really successful business coaching practice and so all of her tips are in this book they're gems so we're going to touch gems. on some of them well and they're some like them a, things they're a fun read you know it is versus like okay i've read you know what those books that are like the how, how businesses fail and right. so boring and uh and i find hers of course is colorful and fun and engaging you in this this fresh way yeah yeah because it's all it's based on these you know, tenets that she learned from, from the a strip- unique business. Exactly. From stripping, which you wouldn't gather, but we're pushing your boundaries on it. So T. Yeah. T baby, what's your experience with, with stripping? Yeah. So, um, I grew up in new Orleans and, and that's like a big culture around it. There. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of the famous strip clubs are there like Rick's cabaret and, um, I forget her name, Christine something. I don't, uh, this is a world I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, there's like famous strippers the same way. And and there's this one that's sort of iconic and she had her own chain of of places as well. And then, um, uh, you know, I remember going to like a strip club with some friends and, you know, I'm glad, like I did it because I was like, okay, I need to see this. Just to say I've seen it. But I I definitely had a lot of um, assumptions and biases around it and my own fears as a woman and like, 
just assumptions that it is degrading and that it is, you know, what is this even for? And, you know, ah, oh, the patriarchal society. Like I was, yeah, I was like angry little like younger woman. Really? Yeah, I had so many opinions and judgments about it. And I feel like I'm now in this. Um, so were you able to enjoy it at all? I, I mean, I'm gathering not, not. No, yeah. Like, no, I wasn't. I, I, it made me really nervous. I had a lot of anxiety. I, I yeah, I was nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and then I think about, okay, you and I actually went to a club here we did? in LA. And yeah, and it's what? like, there's dancers and it's actually mostly male dancers and then you can pay a woman to dance. And wait, 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 I don't remember you, this. I think we paid her, you know, you paid her and she like danced for me and my boyfriend and I was also like, ah, ah, ah. Where was it? How do I not remember this? It was really, because you, was do, a strip it, club? Because you do it all the time, I eh? don't. Because <laughs> you, because you're into it. Wow! Uh, but for me, it was a defining moment, and I was very aware of how uncomfortable it made me, and that just made me aware of my own like sexual limitations. You yeah. know, because because even like if I'm in a tango class, how embarrassed I am to just you know run my leg against really you know, the partner's. Is leg. it because it's public or because I think because it's public. Interesting. It's because it's public because of course I, I, I love my sexuality with the with. In the my bedroom. partners in the bedroom, yeah, right. and I'm able to be very giving and more, um, yeah. But but the performance aspect, right, causes fear, and I and I've started to kind of address it and try to to break out of that because I found what I've discovered is that it's actually my own fears, not any sort of real judgment on that's wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's right. just different and actually a learned skill set. Right. A friend I, of mine is in one of these stripper workout classes right now. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I want to, I want to do one of those as well. And, and I, I relate, I feel like my relationship to, I get, I think the sex industry in general, but we'll talk, talk specifically with stripping. Um, yeah, I think there's been this like fear or it, I, it, it's like an undefined resistance mixed with curiosity. And I feel like in, in hindsight, now that I've bridged the gap a little bit, I think it's because these women to me represented or exhibited some degree of sexual prowess or power or something that I wasn't comfortable with within myself. And mm. so I would judge it, reject right. it, make them like, oh, well, that's just stripping. It's just, well, you know what I mean? I and, was in that mindset of them being almost more like victims. As really? Well. Yeah. Like I was very much like, oh, what, did, what happened in their lives that oh, led yeah. them to have well, to do yeah, this? Yeah, that's true. But the, but the truth is, it's a range of things. And, and like in Erica's book, she talks a little bit about her personal story, which we'll hear from her as well. But just, you know, about making a very distinctive choice to do it, right? Like she wasn't a victim. Like there, or we'll hear what she has to say about it. But I don't feel she was. And I, right. and, and I feel she made a very active choice to do it. So, so just the misconceptions around that, I think. You know, and, and I think yeah. it's also, again, this comes back to like the mainstream push to say like, okay, these people are outsiders or they're outliers of our, our community. Right, and degradations to society and right, all messed up on drugs. And I, I'm everyone sure, is patronizing it. I mean, right, it's a huge market. Right, and I'm sure that I'm sure that stuff does exist. I'm not saying that the industry, not that I know, but like not you know, not saying it's this perfect rosy thing. However, I do think that in society we tend to latch on to the darker negative things and then have that spread across the entire industry. And I don't think that's fair. I, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of women I've met who have been in the sex industry to varying degrees and, and uh, who are wonderful. And, I, you know, yeah. so, but yeah, I, it, so the interesting thing for me was in order to get to a supportive place mm -hmm. and a more, a place of more understanding and not being, it took me not being threatened by it. And for me to do that, I had to really like 
I guess, embrace my own sexuality in a way. Yes. And I like what you just said also about there are women who go into it and really prosper and turn it into an art form in a way, right? So I think, again, and this comes back to Erica's book as well, I think this idea of whatever business you are in, you can be a victim in that business or you can be the owner of your game. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and really running the show and really growing it and developing and having fun with it and and defining it the way that you want. And, you know, so there are strippers who I think, um, offer services of value to people in a way that if, because they're centered in what they want and, you know what I mean? And know what they're doing in their line of work. Um, offer entertainment in a way that is, I think, can be positive in a way that I used to never think that it could. Yeah. Anyway. And on the fun, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, the more I'm talking about sex, existing in the sex world, like we went to the Sex Health Expo this weekend. Right. um, The less tension there is around it and the less uncomfortable when sexuality presents itself I am. Like when there's music on the radio that's highly sexual, it's like, yeah, that's just one component that's one piece of entertainment it doesn't yeah. become this hot button focal point that i feel it is right right right. People, right well yeah or there's like, it's not so charged because you have more understanding around it yeah and i can just yeah. enjoy it or don't need that right or now it's not for you or yeah 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 interesting so it, you, it feels less offensive right right so i uh we did so you mentioned the sex health expo yeah. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Okay. It's, Yay. <laughs> it was really fun. It was the first of its kind hosted by Emily Morse from Loveline. And I'm really, I'm really grateful that she did this because it was really a sex education conference. Right. And yeah, I love sex health. Expo. Right. It's- right. And it's not, it's not a, you know, a pornography conference. It's not, uh, you know, a sex toy conference, although there were plenty of sex toys there. but To play with and test out. And <laughs> yes, very educational. But they had really amazing speakers. It was really informative. It was really a great way to get to know the community. We're here based in L.A. And, it, you know, it was held at a, a re- an upscale hotel. It was really lovely. And T and I, we picked up a couple t- a couple of things. Yeah, we did. We're actually wearing, We're wearing our them. toys right now. We are. They're um, the Vesper style necklace from Crave, Crave. which is a company uh, out of San Francisco. And it's this really stylish, beautiful rose gold uh, stainless steel. Yeah. Well, we got the stainless steel rose gold one, but there's stainless steel and then there's just gold. <laughs> right. And uh, so they're vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to tell you, oh, wait, wait, hold on, let me turn it off. So, um, I got, <laughs> I wore mine for the first time yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are you going to wear my vibrator? And okay, if you, if you guys have been listening to the show, I'm not a big toy person. However, <laughs> my mind is starting to shift on this. But anyway, so it's well, kind a, of. Since your Christmas present, was yeah. the Kris Kringle present. My Kris Kringle present of the dildo pillow. Yeah, was my you're, first yeah you're just you're And now I'm wearing it. a vibrator around my neck. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I totally got called out on that. It was so funny. So I like I totally didn't think anybody would know what you know what was around my neck. I literally I go to a class and I was up in the front and afterward this guy came up to me, he's like, Oh, that's a really cool necklace. He's like, Let me can I can I look at it? Yeah. And I'm like, No, no. So he's looking at the necklace and I'm like, and he's looking for the button, because there's a button on the back. I'm like inside <laughs> I'm screaming and I'm like, No, no, don't touch the button. And he turns a very it on. Button. He turned it on. <laughs> he turned it on. And I was mortified. Did he, he knew what he was doing. Totally knew what he was doing. And so I'm like, you, you nailed me. I'm like, you called me out on that. He's like, I knew it. I saw this posted online the other day. 
Anyway. Oh. So there's no safe place. Well, nobody called me out. And in fact, a friend of mine got in the car and I was picking her up and she got in. She goes, oh my God, I love your necklace. Did you tell her what it was? I did. Cool. I did, but she had no idea. (laughs) And I would say a lot of people don't. I mean. They don't. You know, but what do you do if you called out? You have to own it. I should have owned it better. Next time I will. Baby Well, but steps. that's why you're wearing it, I think. I, I suppose. And it, I have to say. I do own it. Like, if they know what it is, then they're part of the club. I su- do you know right. what I'm saying? Like, that, that they think that way. That's yeah. how they know. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Or and they have toys. Or that his girlfriend has toys, you know? Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. You've got a little, you found a friend. I found, that's true. It did connect you us in a new way. found a friend. <laughs> All right, so I just wanted to share that story because I, I love this product. And, well, I um, love the kind of naughty little secret of it. You know, and I tell you what, because it's pretty. because I used it yesterday, mm-hmm. and yeah, I haven't used mine yet. I used it, and it, it works very well. And um, I, 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 I washed it before I wore it, just mm-hmm. you know, just to, to get that thought out of your mind. And then, okay, detailed question what, though. What? So outside, you, I was going to say outside, but yeah. but without clothing or anything right. covering, right? Okay. Yeah. But, you know, and then after bonding with it for the first time, wearing it around my neck, it's such a tease. Oh, but and also feels like a pleasure center. And the fact that it's at your heart, that it's kind true. of hangs at your heart. It's it does, like a reminder a of positivity, really. Right. Positive energy. Hmm, I didn't I never, think about that. Yeah, but it's either. true. But I've like, I felt. Yeah, you're what? wearing like a, it's like having an heirloom ring or, so, you know, like a ring that's yeah. from, you know, that has history or purpose or. Yeah, like that's really special, actually, energetically. Mm-hmm. T, listen to you getting all esoteric. Uh, well, it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm actually loving that idea of, of positive. It's like the way that you might Bracing have a pleasure. photo of a boyfriend or someone that you love. The person, that, you know, people that bring you pleasure. Yeah. This gadget that brings you pleasure. <laughs> I see huge. Self-love. Yes. I see huge value in the traveling potential of it. Like uh, I, That's true. You do. For the holidays, I thought, what the heck am I going to do? I went home. I can't believe I didn't you bring had any that toys with me. Yeah, I didn't bring any toys. Like, I know my mom's in the next room. Everyone's in the house. Like, it made me uncomfortable. So I thought, this thing, I'm just traveling with it around my neck anytime yeah. I get on an airplane. Perfect. And I've got the vibrator with me everywhere I go. And it has this USB plug-in. This the, is turning into, like, an infomercial. But it's I know. really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just excited at the idea of not just having a thing that's obviously a vibrator, but being able to, like, travel with it. I and, agree. It, and it doesn't take up more space. I agree. And sex jewelry, I think, is becoming more uh, – there's a lot more it's out trendy, there. Yeah, but like, but I like this. So check out the company. It's Crave. This is yeah. the Vesper Vesper style. You got called out. Vesper, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I, I'm, I didn't mean to go off topic, but I, I thought it was really important <laughs> to bring that up it's while it's current. Um, so again, we're with Erica. Yes. Erica Liramark. Name of the book? Think like a stripper. Business lessons to up your confidence, attract more clients, and rule your market. You can find her work at uh, thinklikeastripper.com. And uh, we're going to bring her on. Let's yeah. talk to this woman. Miss Erica, are you there? She put us on hold, so we're going to get this little moment. Here. Hey, <laughs> <Yay>! Erica. <laughs> How are you? I was looking at the Vesper necklace. Were you? What do you think? <laughs> and oh, wait, I just gonna... found it. And, and and it's on a cool website, coolhunting.com. Cool hunting. Oh yeah, they're, yeah, they're on a couple different websites. I mean, I think you can go to their main one as well, but it's they're yeah. pretty, right? It's wow, I want one. I'm getting one. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have another convert. <laughs> yes. How could you not? Like it's just a beautiful necklace on its own. And it's affordable, and it, yeah, and it's beautiful and stylish and hip, and, and it I looks thought. like a bullet, and it looks like it yeah, look like a tweezers. 
<laughs> exactly. Like you kind of look at it and go, oh, is that, is there, is that a pen? You know, or something. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, it's a sexy pen. It's a sexy <laughs> vibrating pen. That would be the next asset. It's like an office, a vibrator, and jewelry all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's another evolution. Right. The so, next version. Okay. So Erica, you've done some fabulous work. Thank you. Well, thank you. Your book is really fun. It's fun to read. Not only just fun, but it's um, it was really inspiring. And you know, T and I are entrepreneurs in in every sense of the word. And so, just reading your all your tips, it was just so engrossing. I was like, yes, yes, refocused yes. me. It was like totally. research for a show, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to I need to get to work. You know, I couldn't sleep that night. I was <laughs> staying up doing all the lists of things I've been meaning to do. Oh, you know what I loved? This one little detail in your book that that talks about when you have a vision, just getting started. Like that idea of like buy your website domain or, you know, like all these Just taking action. Yeah, taking the actions. So, well, you, you know, I wrote the book. Um, I really wrote it for myself because I wanted to, I wanted to keep alive the stories of what happened. And I wanted to take my self-expression to the next level. And I also wanted a book where I could go back and read it and still be inspired. Right. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I love that also you chose to embrace your past uh, and tell the story yourself in terms of stripping and where you've come from is, and, and not allow it to be a shadow. Well, I knew that... I knew that I was going big in my business because that's just the way I am. That's the way I've always thought. And those are the dreams I've always, always had my whole life. And I knew that if I didn't tell my story, somebody else would. And again, I knew that writing that and being able to talk about that um, would be another level of, of confidence for myself. You know, one of the biggest reasons besides the money is that I wanted to be a really confident person. And I already, I already was confident and I was already outspoken and I, I very much, you know, was a rebel and and broke the rules and did my own thing. I moved out of my parents' house when I was still in high school and got my own apartment in the city. But I knew that to really be successful in life, I needed to take that confidence to an even greater level. And that was a huge part of, of my, um, the reason that I decided to do it but then, you know, there's one thing to do it when you're in your 20s, in your mid-20s, and all of your friends are strippers. You know, you're hanging out in a subculture of strippers right. and, um, and guys and gals that fully support it. And it's, it's not a big thing. It's not taboo, et cetera. Uh, but then it's another thing to come out about it publicly when you're in a professional work environment. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's a yeah. big one. People are very confused. I mean, I haven't been in a super corporate environment in a long time. When I was, I was marketing a company, so I was allowed to have flair. But my, <laughs> my, my boyfriend was, you know, in an engineering community, and he would wear, like, sneakers to the engineering site that had, you know, blue and, like, some neon on it. And that caused, like uproar do you know like like, yeah and and so it's really a conservative world right if he grew his hair out a little bit you know I liked him better with like some curls you know a little longer and that was even noteworthy just and so so I just thought the the, it really is a very harsh eye and a a strong pressure to homogenize into this yes conform into the society that that sure judges these kinds of things any sort of difference wow I don't know. Was that, that was like a downer on it. (laughs) Be yourselves. Well, I think it just speaks to, yeah, there's a lot of pressure and stripping is way bigger than having neon on your shoes. So it it takes a lot of strength. Did you get any backfire? 
from coming out. Yeah. Um, not to my face, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I spoke about it, about it publicly, it was in front of a small group of about 30 people uh, of young professional entrepreneurs. I was a guest speaker and I thought, wow, I'm either going to get you know, tomatoes thrown at me or they're going to give me a hug. And most people gave me a hug. People were really supportive and people were really like, wow, that really inspired me. Mm. But I think a lot of it is because of the person that I've, the person that I am. I've always been, um, I'm going to just use the words full of myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, but art sounds articulate about what certain. you're doing. You're yeah, certain, certain about yourself. And so when you share, it's like you said, you're owning your story. So how can you yes, not admire I'm very, that? I'm very embodied. I have a presence. Um, you know, I stand up straight. I'm a tall woman. Uh, I, I just have a lot of confidence. And so when I speak about it, I don't. I never come from it as a place where 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 I'm a victim. Although that story. You know, when I left stripping, the last two years of stripping, that that certainly was a lot of how I felt. Um, but when I, by the time I came out about it, I didn't feel that that I was a victim by any by any way, shape, or form. And really, how you, you know, the energy behind something, how you approach something, is really it mm-hmm. does dictate dictate how people are going to receive it. That's true. That's beautiful. Erica, we're going to hear more. We're going to take a break, and we're going to hear more about Erica's story. Um, tweet, tweet us at TSX, tweet us at TSX Talk. Talk. Pushing boundaries with TNA. Yeah. Ursha, baby. This is for the A. Uh-huh. Shawty, I don't mind. If you dance on a pole, that'll make you a hoe. Shawty, I don't mind. When you work into three, if you're leaving with me, gon' make that money, 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 your money, money, money. Cause I know how it is. Gon' handle your biz and get that money, 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 your money, money, money. You can take off your clothes as long as you're coming home, girl. I don't mind. The ballers in here tonight, they gon' buy a hundred bottles. As soon as you shake it, I know they gon' make it colossal in here. Cause shawty, you thinkin' them tricks that you do with your body. Got all of these niggas, they crowdin' around you like they sing Beyonce in here. You want your own and you need your own, baby, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Cause how could I ever trip about it when I met you in the club? I met you in the club. I make enough for the both of Welcome back. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're here talking with Erica Liramark, who is the author of Think Like a Stripper, Business Lessons to Up Your Confidence, Attract More Clients, and Rule Your Market. Yeah, so we're talking all about actual stripping, her personal story, and how it relates to business as well. Exactly. Interestingly enough. And no I have to say, that song, I'm hooked on it, but and it's... I think it's sad. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's... I'm torn about this song, but I, it's the modern ballad. <laughs> modern ballad. <laughs> Stripping by Usher. Anyway. So, um, so we, I, I wanted to get back to Erica's story. Erica, are you there? I'm here. All right. So, I, we wanted to... We were in the middle of your story, and I, and I wanted to back it up a bit and see... Um, 
kind of more about where you came from. I know where you are now. You you know you're very confident. Well, even more so. And the businesswoman running a right, company, exactly. Have a lot of clients, like yeah, business success. coaching, yeah. <laughs> Where you know, yeah, what's the road you walk? Right, because in the book you said you're writing this book from who you are now and the woman you've become, and so I'm curious about how you compare that to the woman that you were. Well, in the in the beginning of the book, I talk about there was two different stories going on. There was the Erica who was extremely optimistic and driven and motivated and just full of love and enthusiasm and, and tons of passion. And then there was the Erica that, um, especially the last five years I danced, I broke up with a, my first long my first love long-term boyfriend. We had a really horrible breakup and that kind of started to spiral things going downhill. So I had a lot of anxiety and, and depression and sort of drinking very heavily the last two years that I danced where when I first started dancing, I, you know, I didn't touch alcohol in the club for seven years. That was like my big rule of, you know, no drinking and stripping, no drinking and dancing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, the, the no drinking. I don't, I, it's interesting. I, but then again, you know, you wouldn't want to drink operating heavy machinery. <laughs> I just mean as an example of like, it's, it's, yeah, well, it's I mean, interesting. And, and I find it interesting also, you're talking about how the, the different emotional things happening in your life were outside of work. It sounds like that affected. Right. So that was a huge, that was a huge, um, impetus to, to my downward spiral. <laughs> but Interesting. Um, but at the same time, too, is that I also recognize that around year five, I started to become very bored with it. And that was also a huge piece of it. And even now, the second I start to become bored with my life or my business, I'm in trouble. Like, bored Erica is destructive. Right. I was going to say, I think that's a lot of people. And just you saying that you're bored, right, like, that means you plateaued in, your, in the industry that you were in, it sounds like. Absolutely. And I was still in college at the time. I, you know, I loved school. I loved learning. And so... I just kept telling myself to just bucket up, you know, do it one more night, do it one more night, do it one more night until I finished school. And then, you know, that was the nine year, the nine year period I was in and out of school the whole time. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say just personally, I was working in a, um, you know, in a job where at some point it wasn't what I really wanted to be doing. It wasn't my main passion. And, you know, I started getting TMJ, like lockjaw, where you're sleeping at night clenching your jaw. And for all intents and purposes, it was a great job. Like anyone looking at me would go, wow, I want to be doing that. Or, you know, I was getting to travel and go to conferences and, you know, be the face of this company. And um, and even then, it, it's, it was like this similar reaction where it almost just seems like a, a, a wake-up call. It's like, hey, it's time to, time to just do something different and shake up your schedule. And what is it that you really want? And you need to reevaluate all that. Yeah, absolutely. And that can happen to anybody. As you said, you know, I call it, I call it golden handcuffs because even though you hate it, you stay because you know what you can reasonably expect out of your life. And people are terrified of change. And, and I was terrified of change as well. Yeah. Um, and so, so you took the leap and you, you know, you finished your education and got into real estate and the, just things just took off from there once you were sort of, I guess, more aligned with your truth and doing something more interesting. Well, I can't say real estate was my first choice. <laughs> it's, like, 
something I, I, I actually something I said I would never do. Interesting. Uh, like I said, when I was growing up, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18 and I, I started buying furniture and stuff for my, you know, bachelorette pad when I was still 16 years old. I bought a, a vacuum cleaner. It was like my first purchase. I'm like, mm-hmm. I will not have dirty floors. <laughs> yeah. I feel like <laughs> that, that vacuum first... cleaner. <laughs> nice. Um, and so, okay. Lost my train of thought. What are they talking about? Um, Right. So it's real estate. And, and so you took yeah, real estate. Right. So once I finished my college degree, I went to Italy for five weeks and I came back and things just got worse and worse and worse for me at the club. And then it came to the point of, I was having so many panic attacks. I would go to work and I would get drunk and I would have a panic attack and my boyfriend at the time would have to come and pick me up wow. and I wasn't making any money. I mean, it was just, it was really bad. And he said, you're the poorest stripper I've ever met. <laughs> and oh, I'm like, no. I know I'm so embarrassed. Wow. It's not always that way for me, but I was, I was beyond burnt out and it, right. it, it did get, it got really bad for me. And uh, I just left the club one night after having an extremely bad night. I made two bucks And, uh, I walked home. I lived in, I was working in downtown Seattle and I lived in the Capitol Hill area, which is about a mile from downtown Seattle. And I walked like the mile, mile, mile or two home, um, you know, at at three in the morning, two or three in the morning by myself. And I, you know, I cried the whole way home and I was like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any money, but I'm not going back. Good for you. And I, had to be get really vulnerable and I had to stop being strong because as I had said, I kept saying, buck up, buck up, you can do this. And sometimes we're just not supposed to be strong anymore. We're just supposed to be vulnerable and surrender to, you know, to the next thing in our life. And so that's what happened. So over the course of the next five or six months, I, you know, I got help from all sorts of people. I took odd jobs. I walked dogs. I cleaned houses. I, I laid tile. Um, I worked at some of the, the costume, um, theaters, the theaters in Seattle, sewing on buttons and anything that I could to make money. And I started selling everything that I owned and I was, I was running out of ideas and I was running out of money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I came back to Minneapolis, which is, which is where I, I, w- I grew up and my dad had a commercial real estate or I'm sorry, a commercial roofing company at the time. And he had purchased a commercial real estate building a couple years before that. And said, hey, what do you think about moving back to Minneapolis and helping me with this building? And when I say commercial real estate, I mean, like, it looked like a, a Chinese communist prison camp from days of yore. <laughs> 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 Gotta start somewhere. You gotta see exactly. Bad. bad. And 70,000 square feet on eight acres of land. Huge. Massive. Bad. But it was so ugly. Oh. And I remember the first time seeing that, I prayed that I would never have to see it again. And I'm like, well... Thanks, God, because now I'm here working. <laughs> you must have been <laughs> off that night. <laughs> but well, I'm so determined to to get out of Seattle and to leave that world that I, that I said yes, and so um, so that began my my real estate career, and I did that for for ten years. Wow, interesting. And and so you've launched yourself into, I mean, a brand, and you're helping other people, and it's and it's the, the I guess that was about ten years of your life, right? Is that right? Based on your biography, after from stripping to where you are now ish for the, uh, yes, the book? I haven't, I haven't stripped in 13 and a half years. Okay. Wow. So interesting. I, I have a question for you. I wanted to know about, I find it really interesting that you, that like T mentioned that your troubles with the industry weren't with the industry. I mean, you, your troubles came from outside of stripping out, you know, from your personal life. And so I guess I'm, 
I don't know. I, I'm sort of curious about your experience with the stripping culture and industry and if you could shed some light on, uh, I guess, some of the stereotypes that people tend to hold about Yeah, I mean, do you industry. feel like there is a side of you going, okay, it's not a healthy community, it's better to be out of it? Or do you think, do you not have a judgment on that? Do you think it just depends on who you are as an individual? I think it depends on who you are when you go in. And I was very strong-willed and strong-minded when I first started. And my biggest beef about the sex industry in general is the way women are treated. Mm. And if women are treated with, with respect and loved and, and treated as independent contractors, then I'm okay with it. You know, there's always the, the you know, weirdo, cheesy, pert customer. But the truth is, is that, you know, in my experience is that 90% of the men that came in there were, were nice guys mm-hmm. and, um, there was one club that I worked with in particular is out in the SeaTac area of, of Seattle. And I loved working there. Like I loved it. The, the owner was awesome. His name was Larry and mm-hmm. we, we completely set our own schedules. We got to bring in our own CDs. Like they, there was no editing. If you wanted to listen to like punk rock or rap or speed metal or R and B, there was no censorship on what you listen to you know, you had to audition to work there. The customers that came in were so nice. The club was just like unbelievably clean. You got to have your own locker and keep it. (laughs) And they just, they treated us really, really well. And unfortunately the city of SeaTac came in. I'm still mad about it. (laughs) Clearly I'm getting all huffy. (laughs) SeaTac came in and they changed the regulation and they, they pretty much drove that, that club into the ground. And it was like the cleanest, most respectful club in Seattle. What regulation did they change? They said that you couldn't do um, lap dances anymore. Okay. And um, the lap dances were, I mean, sure, you're like grinding gang guys, but they, in Seattle, because they, they don't serve alcohol in the clubs and they're not topless. Like you're still in your bikini. Right. I actually got a ticket. Um, it's, it's, I don't know if it was a prostitution charge or an indecent, you know, charge or whatever, but it was, you know, some sort of charge for touching a guy's shoulder. A cop really? came in and gave me a ticket because I was touching someone's shoulder while I was dancing for you're him. Like, That's just harassment. You're trying I to think. make sure you don't fall over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm leaning back, so I'm just <laughs> support. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was the cops. I mean, they would come in and they would um, get, they would have Seattle, the city of Seattle would have cops come in undercover, get a dance from you and send you a ticket in the mail. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Such a weird that double is standard. messed up. Yeah, because they're so getting the dance. Up. So I've been to court several times, and um, the first time I went, um, you know, the clubs were great about that because they would pay for your attorney and they would pay for all of your legal fees. Oh, and that's so that was nice. awesome because it was really messed up. Yeah, that's really that's cool of them. Um, yeah. That's pretty wild. I yeah. mean, it's just interesting about, again, this hypocrisy around the culture of it and and the the f- governmental funds right. that go into monitoring something so inane. Like, right, right. And you know that that guy on his off hours is, like, coming back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. And then, you know, they lied. They would lie about, you know, just they would just say whatever they wanted. Wow. So I think that's really interesting. So, you're, so I – that makes a lot of sense that um, – that, you know, your beef with the industry being the way women are treated by, I guess, by employees and, or sorry, I guess your employer and the guys, right? And the clients. The clients on both yeah, ends. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And, but like, but like I said, you know, um, 
and and even the managers. I mean, now that I you know they think back on it, because I was, you know, I have such a strong sense of self that most of the managers they actually did treat me very well because I wouldn't put up with their crap, and they knew that. Right. You know, but I would see them doing it to to other women that worked there who were perhaps less weaker or yes. you know less self assured. Yes. Which is interesting yes. because I've always thought this about the sex industry as well that I think. Well, in life in general, I think what you give is what you get. And if you go into any industry at all, it's, you're going to, if you go in from a weak place, you, you can get uh, some pretty bad kickback, I think, even if you're an engineer or marketing. But I think in the sex industry, your body is on the line. And so it can, I feel like it can be more dangerous perhaps. But I, so yeah, I feel like for me, I wonder if, it can actually be this if i wonder if we can transform this into an actually an empowered industry for women if if like if women understand that uh, you know they need to be self-assured and confident and empowered in order to set foot inside of that circle i don't know it might set a different precedent or we might be looking at a completely different situation in our society of the sex industry or it might be higher valued i mean i, I think about something like i don't know Dita Von Teese or something where it's sort of this more cabaret style thing that's, I don't know, is kind of more regarded as an art or something, you know. That's true. That's true. Er Erica, I wanted to ask you, how um, do you feel, hmm, how do you feel sexual power relates to confidence? I know confidence is a big thing in, in the work that you do, but based yeah, based on where you've come from, do you feel like those two things are separate or do you feel like you can have one without the other or what do you, th I don't know, any thoughts? Well, how do you define sexual power? That's a good question. Like you over there right now, drop them or like, <laughs> I guess embracing a woman's ability to embrace I would, her sexuality. Yeah, I would say centered in your own sexuality, maybe power over your Accept, orgasm. Acceptance. You're, for me, anyway. Power I'm, over your tease, orgasms. Tease, I'm into my orgasms. No, but, under I, orgasm. but I'm saying rooted in having a strong sense of your sexuality, like confident in your body. Oh. Not so because, because stripping is actually a performance too, right? So you can be a, an amazing, skilled performer at at the visual entertainment of sexuality, but maybe not have a strong core of sexuality, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, there was women at the club and they were terrible performers and they weren't attractive, but they had a lot of confidence and yeah. they, um, they did really well. Like they knew how to hustle and they knew how to sell and they knew how to make money. And then there was women who were beautiful performers and so erotic and sexy and hot and they didn't have confidence beyond that. So, I, you know, again, it's like everything is performance. And when you're new to something, if it's not something that is in a, an, integral part, an integral part of who you are, there's always, a, you know, a layer that of confidence that you can bring to that. You know, just like the first right. time uh, I give my presentation, talking to the, those 30, you know, those 30 young professionals, that was the first time that I spoke publicly um, about stripping. It was very nerve wracking. And now I can talk about it very easily and I have a lot of confidence when I talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I suppose as I'm thinking about it, reflecting on what you're saying, I guess, yeah, I guess I sort of see it as confidence is one ball of self-certainty or whatever. Or there's multiple sides to Well, it. right. And there's multiple facets and sex sexual power is perhaps just... Uh, you know, turning the prism to the sexual, one's sexual aspect and allowing confidence to shine through that lens. 
But And of course, you talk about this in your book, but I am fascinated by this idea that someone can be a great performer but not make any money. Can you talk a little bit about what, how do you be, you know, what makes you a better salesperson versus like, I'm giving you quality work, right? In theory, like if through the lens of stripping, but like I just did a quality performance, how am I not then making money because of it? I don't think guys care about quality performance. <laughs> no, I mean, it's interesting. What, but um, wait, wait, I'm curious. What do you mean by quality performance to you? Like, like twerking in the splits or like, like sure. crazy, crazy stuff or. Yeah. I mean, tech, I guess I'm, I'm trying aspects. to talk in general about business, but through this lens of like her book talking about stripping, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, so I do a competent job, right? I exceed expectations with my, with you know, my sexual, my sensuality and my performance. And like you said, acrobatics or whatever. And then it doesn't bring the dough. Why? Yeah. Why doesn't, why doesn't that translate to money? And, wow. and if not, then how do you get it to translate to money? So you don't think, so guys don't care about quality performance, but do they care about? Well, okay. Let me take that back. They do, they do care about quality performance. You know, they, of course they want to be entertained. They want to see someone who's, who's a great dancer, um, but let's take it out, you know, so people can, can relate to this. Let's look at Rihanna, for example. So she's a great singer and she's a great performer, but when she's off the stage, she also knows how to bring it. Right. She knows how to position herself. She understands her messaging. She understand, understands who she is in the marketplace. And that is all really relevant. And if you can't have a conversation with somebody, if they're not getting their vibe, if they don't feel your energy, your business is going nowhere. So right. consistency and brand. And the way that you're presenting yourself through and through, like a, a, a through line in Authenticity. Your Authenticity, having fun, bringing the energy, bringing the connection. I mean, you could give a guy a great dance, but if, if, if the connection and the chemistry isn't there and you don't know how to talk to him, um, you know, he's not going to buy another one. Right. Ooh, connection. I think you hit on a big point. I agree. Should I we like... talk about that after a yeah. break? All right. We're going to take a break. <laughs> We're talking to Erica Lira Mark, whose name, by the way, is two different forms of money. Really? Oh, Lira, Lira and the Mark. Very nice. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, her, she's the author of Think Like a Stripper, Business Lessons to Up Your Confidence, Attract More Clients, and Rule Your Market. You can find her work at uh, thinklikeastripper.com. And uh, we'll talk to you in a minute. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. Throw it up, throw it up, watch it all fall out. Bow it up, bow it up, that's how we ball out. Throw it up, throw it up, watch it all fall out. Bow it up, bow it up, that's how we ball out. Strip clubs and dollar bills. Still got my money, drone shots, gonna get a refill. Still got my money, strippers going up and down that pole. Still got my money, four o'clock and we ain't going home. Still got my money, money make the world go round.
This is Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And that was Rihanna's song about <laughs> stripping. So perfect timing, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking with Erica. She is here with us. Erica Liramark, author of Think Like a Stripper. You can find her work at thinklikeastripper.com. Wonderful businesswoman who's been telling her, us her story throughout the hour. She's um, become a coach for clients in business and through the lens of her experience with stripping and then also working in real estate. So we're just kind of getting that full story all around it and what does it all mean? Exactly. And um, uh, T, you touched on connection. Yeah. So I'm super interested in this idea of, uh, okay, you can have a performance, you're stripping and it's a solid show. Um, but if you're not maybe present, which, and connected, I mean, I guess I'm just curious, Erica, connection? about, yeah, like unlocking more of that idea of, you know, what does it mean to connect and, and sort of, I guess to me it means being genuinely present. And I think about even in my own sexuality, like with a partner in an intimate setting, am I really connecting with them, right? Like they can have, quote, good technique, but if they aren't really present and looking at me in the eyes or like all these things, it's not as intense, right? Mm -hmm. So I wondered, how does that translate to business? Well, think of it this way. Um, if you are great at what you do, but you suck at sales and marketing, you don't have a business, that's true. So sales and marketing first, and then you're, you know. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who are really successful who aren't really great at what they do, but they know how to sell and market. That's very true. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about this in my mind. <laughs> Say, okay, so. Uh, well, T, I guess, do you have any yeah, no, I mean, I guess as, as a kind of a business coach, I mean, how do you, I don't know, help people get better at that? I don't know. Sales, sales and marketing. Yeah. Can, can they learn connection? Can they learn to be more present, I guess? To Absolutely. If you really want something, you'll learn how to fit. You'll learn how to do it. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> so I'm not a lost cause. <laughs> You're not a lost cause. <laughs> um, oh, you know, I'm about bringing your personality into everything that you do. And so, you know, I, and I talk about this a lot in, in Think Like a Stripper, um, is, you know, one of the things that really helped me was having a stage name. And sometimes I would get bored with being Bianca and I would try out different stage names. And so if I was having fun, my sales were, were always doing better because people want to be around people who are, who are having fun. I'm glad you touched on that because this, this is something that popped out for me in your book, uh, partly f because of, I think where I am in life at this moment, which is really funny uh, that it coincides with the show. Maybe the show is writing my life. I don't know. <laughs> it but, is. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. <laughs> but uh, the idea of fun and you and and you, um, yeah, you had said that, and I think that it's something that we forget in this world of achieving and you know having goals. And I know it's something that I forget a lot. And for me, this year. It's sort of a resolution for me that, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of just like chasing these goals and chasing these things that With I'm supposed down like a hedgehog. Yeah. Like just, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go and go and go. And, and I'm like, you know, I sat up for a minute New Year's and I'm like, I'm not having fun with this at all. And my heart, it takes my heart out of it. And so my resolution this year has been to just have more fun. And every time, like everything I approach professionally, uh, I ask myself how I can, like, just, Steph, just have fun with it. 
What do you enjoy about it and why are you bothering to do it? It's because there's something about it that, that's fun. There's something about it that's attracting you. Yeah. So what can you tell us more about your experience with that and what you see in your clients? Or is that something you think is missing a lot? Oh, people are way too serious. While I was mm-hmm. um, waiting for, for you ladies, I was watching um, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and which is where all my inspirational inspiration from <laughs> nice and J-Lo business on. tips from Jimmy Fallon <laughs> yeah I learn a lot from from pop culture especially E news like I'm that is a religious experience in my house every day <laughs> nice um and I was watching J Lo and you know she's been hugely successful for you know going on her her second decade of massive success. And I'm looking at her, she's a year older than me and she's just beautiful and vibrant and has these beautiful clothes. And, you know, I think if she had a a tagline, it would be, I'm JLo, sex, money, power. Yeah. Sex, money, power, fun. Uh, And her eyes twinkle. She really (laughs) has just done an amazing job. And she was just having such a blast and talking to the audience and waving her hands around. And, and then they played a game. I can't remember what the, what the game was called, but they, you know, played it with two other people. And I'm like, this is a woman who knows how to have fun. Right. And again, she's great at what she's do. She does it great at what she does. She's a beautiful dancer, singer, um, she just produced a movie. I watched her on, it sounds like I'm stalking JLo. What was she on? <laughs> it's okay. It's no, okay. okay. We all, we learned well, from these people. Well, she's a great case study. Exactly. She was on, I don't know, the, the Today Show or something. And she was talking about her new movie, The, the Boy Next Door. And she produced it and did it on $4 million. Wow. Total wow. micro budget. That is a micro budget. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. And you really can have it all if you're willing to be fully self-expressed. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Why do you think, why do you, I mean, I think fun is, yeah, you, I mean, you hit on it. Like why is fun, why does fun equal success? I think. Well, for, she's, I mean, JLo's working hard for she's sure, right? Hard We're for seeing sure. the yes. polished fun side, which is kind of the sales and marketing. But it's like, yeah. If of you're, what did it take to get it produced? You yeah. know, those, those, the nitty gritty details, but, but. I'm sure the storyline, all those things excited her. But I think it's part of the process too, for sure. Like, uh, well, if you're, if you're not having fun doing what you're doing, you, it's a different vibe, right? As opposed to if someone's really like, think about the, okay, take it from JLo. Cause we don't hang around JLo every day, mm-hmm. but like the regular business people that you're in touch with, and they may not even be like the biggest, best at whatever, but if they're having fun and they've got a twinkle in their eye, you want to be around them, right? It's like char- charisma. I suppose. Um, and yeah, so I, so my question I suppose is, um, like for me, I've had this experience of, you know, you have goals and you were taught, you know, set goals and go after these things and, you know, know where you're going and whatnot. But for me, uh, I feel like this can take me out of having fun. And so for me, it's been a really difficult balance of learning. Okay. Yes, I need goals because you do need to know where you're going. But when I go after achieving them, it makes me rigid and results oriented. And then it takes me out of the fun. So it, that for me is a balance I'm learning. And I'm wondering if you come into, if you see that in your clients or if that's something you've experienced yourself or is fun just natural for you? <laughs> no, I, no, but result. I can be a very serious person, extremely serious. Like I've been called a fun miser before. No, uh-huh. so, 
So having fun is, is a huge lesson for me to continue to learn in my life. And it's why I talk about it so much is because I have experienced amazing results that happen when you're having fun. But, you know, the trick is, is to have fun, be really committed to being successful and trusting that the results you get are simply there to take you to that next level. Right. Yeah. And I also, I liked what you said, A, about just being results oriented, which sometimes you take away the, the focus from the, the living it and enjoying the experience of it. The results will come just from the, the effort, but. Right. That's true. And not, yeah. And what Erica was saying about not, yeah, not really caring what the results are, trusting that whatever the results are, or will, will take you somewhere down to the next thing. Right. Don't try to control the results. A, talking to myself, don't try to control the results. <laughs> and it can take years for you to get real results on, on doing something that you, you put your heart and soul in. It took me years to learn how to be a good coach. It took me years to be successful in my own business. It, it took me years to really learn how to sell in a strip club. It took me years to be successful in commercial real estate. Right. right. Yeah. And I, you know, you describing your story of when you kind of had these pitfalls and walking home crying and kind of, you know, kind of hitting that rock bottom version of, you know, okay, it's time to be vulnerable instead of, instead of bucking up. And I think we all, especially in American society are taught to like buck up. Like if you just push through, like you'll make it happen instead of listening to yourself. And I feel like maybe we could all be having those revelations sooner rather than say, like you said, I mean, two years of it, but like, two years, one year, even six months. Um, For some people, 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, right. Where they never wake up and kind of go, oh, like my body is actually telling me I'm not happy here anymore and I need to make a change. And it's like, how can we, you know, wake up to making those changes sooner? I mean, you probably need an incubation time to make the decision. I think it has to get so bad sometimes that like there's nowhere else to go. Well, but but I guess I'm saying to know that that's a signal. That's part of the the journey but not even but but to to learn behaviorally that that's actually a signal for us to change right right whereas i think culturally we're like ah like head down nose to the grindstone and you're going well wait you're actually getting a a message that this isn't your goal you know that you actually want to be doing something else or that you have plateaued so how do you you know up your up your game to the next level yeah. Well, I think head down nose to the grindstone is great for short periods of time. Right. But okay. If that becomes your life, yeah, you are going to be in trouble because it, we're not, that's not sustainable. Right. It's like grindstone, then lift up and evaluate. Back to the grindstone, lift up and evaluate. <laughs> six months down, six and, months up. And I think we can remind ourselves that we can have fun while during this whole process. Fun doesn't have to come just at the end when you've achieved it. In fact, I've, I've heard and I guess experienced myself that most of the fun or the fun is the journey, right? Well, speaking of, I, I actually felt a little agitated this morning. I've got like six different projects going on and I feel overwhelmed and I stayed up later than I wanted to last night. And I, and I started getting snippy with people, uh, that I work with, you know, I do another podcast and like all this stuff. And I, and I went running instead. I said, you know what? I can take the time to do that. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to be in a better centered place. And then I'll be nice to even the people that annoy me, (laughs) you know, but, but the point being just taking care of yourself and the maintenance of it. And then, and that leading to good quality work. Yeah. Bringing more fun in. Um, do you, Erica, do you have any tips about how to bring more fun into your work life or to approach your business from a different 
perspective? Do something completely ridiculous that gets you so out of your serious zone. Um, I used to have a friend in the 1990s, and she would tell me how whenever her mom was sad, she would put on a clown nose. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that's a great idea. Actually, it is great. You will be like, oh my God, I'm so ridiculous. I'm wearing a freaking cloud nose. But it gets you out of your head, right? I mean, you yes. really just need something to snap you out of it. Yes. And so <laughs> I love to do things like that. I just, it's like I call it the joy of the Lord because I'm just filled with laughter and I start crying. And my husband looks at me, he's like, are you okay? Are you insane? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're like, yes, I am. Oh, but Just interesting. It, it's not necessarily something you would do with like your sales or your marketing to get attention, right? Like to have fun or interact. Like you're not necessarily saying change your dynamic with your clients, but rather literally Start, like wear pink off. on Mondays or like. It's the, what, you know, what's the energy inside and, and project that first. And then having fun with the, with your clients will, um, that'll start. It's it's like somebody who is in a really crappy mood and then they tell a funny joke. You know, no one's going to laugh. Right. Scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, you're right. If you're having whatever, again, going back to what you had said earlier, whatever energy you have inside of you will shine through. So focus on that first and, you know, your, it'll shine in your actions and behaviors. Brilliant. Do you, Erica, are there like patterns that you've started to see with a lot of clients that come to you, you know, when you're coaching, are you kind of going, okay, these, most people come at this level with these issues, you know, does it become easier to address those? Well, people are very attracted to working with me because I am super good at business, but there's a lot of people who are really good at business. But what makes me even better at business is that I'm really self-expressed And I'm very edgy and I'm very bold. And so a lot of people want that. They feel electric around me. They feel, you know, it's called the Liramark magic. And (laughs) like, that's what my clients tell me. Like, oh my God, I feel unstoppable. I feel your magic. Um, I'm also really intuitive and I see people and I'm not afraid to tell them what I think, uh, even Mm. if they hate me for the day. There's not a lot of people who will tell you the truth. Even if everybody sees it, most people won't say it. That's true. Are you, I, and this is a personal question, so at your comfort level, but um, I guess I'm curious about your own sexual development in line with the type of work you were doing and, um, and going into business. Like, do you feel like you what do I want to say? Like for myself, like as, you know, as youth, I've always been able to orgasm and I did it on my own for a long time. It took me a while to figure out orgasming with like boyfriends. Right. Um, and then the more centered I am in that and the more open I am about my sexuality, the deeper it is, the better connected I am, the better it, I feel it does affect my overall life. Do you find that's true in your own journey? Well, in my teens and twenties, I mean, I've always been very sexual. I've always been very sexual. Like my whole life I was horny. me too (laughs) my mom would always say stop touching yourself stop touching yourself right 
but that really had nothing to do with stripping. When I was stripping, I was never horny. And that's the, you know, you tell guys that, oh, I'm so horny for you, baby. But it's such a lie. Right. Um, <laughs> and so they're like, you're, you, you know, you're grinding on them. What are you thinking about? And you're like, oh, God, you only knew. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you're really thinking about what, what you know, what are you going to eat after work? Or, you know, can you have a cigarette after this? Or, you know, you're, you're never thinking about that guy. Well, it's a full shift, right? It's like waiting yeah. tables. And if he is super hot, it's like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed that I'm dancing for a hot guy. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but so, you know, it's uh, in my teens and, and 20s, um, you know, very, very sexual. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have sex until I was 19 with my first boyfriend. Um, but I was always, you know, very sexual, you know, masturbating at a very, very young age. Um, and it, that's not a part of myself that I've ever hid. So, hmm. right. And it was never like jeopardized or right. But did you find, did you find, I guess, as you, are you asking T like, like the more, um, empowered you became in business or the more successful you became the, that that translated or reflected in your sexual yeah, was sexuality there connection? Are they separate? Yeah. I would say I'm less horny. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Really? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of sublimating the energy. Like, where are you allocating it? Uh, yeah, that's true, right? too. You I was have, about that. You're not, you're not an energizer battery. Like, the bunny doesn't go forever. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 44 next week. So Ooh, the hormones have definitely um, taken over. But, but it, I, I actually am glad about it because some days it was a little out of control. So <laughs> I'm glad that I've come more into balance. Oh, myself. interesting. They do say, I think, hormonally, as women age, we tend to start producing more testosterone. I mean, I don't know that that's like, is that what happened to you, Arisha? Have you tested your levels? <laughs> but it's a bossy. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My mother actually said as a, as a businesswoman, she's like, I feel more focused and, and she's definitely reaching a more menopausal age where she's like, I don't, you know, I don't think she's been tested, but she read something about the testosterone and she's like, I feel like that, that is happening. Interesting. I don't know. Um, Erica, what's next for you? Um, I am toying with the idea of creating my book as a podcast. Ooh. Podcast. Whoop, whoop. I think you should definitely do that. Yeah. Because I want to write another, another version of it. Um, because I started writing that book, like I said, in 2008, 2009, or maybe that was, did I tell you guys that? No, I told somebody else that today. I don't remember what I say most days because I talk so much. Um, <laughs> I do want to write another version of the book because I do want to do an audio, an audio book of it because I know most people don't read, even though they do buy my book. Thank you. They've never read it. <laughs> so um, I want to do an audio version, but uh, I'm just not willing to, to be patient with how long it would take to, to rewrite the book. And when I say rewrite the book, just like update some of the languaging, update some of the, the stripper tips. I'm somebody I love to just make everything better. And I, and I love going back to projects I've already done that have been successful and, and recreating it. Mm. Um, and so I thought about toying with the idea of doing a podcast um, on the book and then I could update it as I, as I go along. And so I would release, um, you know, like five stripper tips at a time. Right. And that, you know, and then just like whenever I have the time and the energy, I would update the book. And then I would also make sure that I'm, that I'm the way that I'm writing, that it's very, um, it translates very auditory. So it's, it's very pleasing to someone's ear. And then I would also bring in, um, tips that I cut out from this book. Cause there's a lot of information that I cut out. I would talk about, 
how I got, you know, endorsers, um, Dan Pink, who is a, you know, number one New York Times bestseller. Um, he writes some really legit stuff. You know, he's been on Oprah. Um, he endorsed the book, uh, number one New York Times bestseller, um, of oh, author of The Shift, Tori Johnson. She's also on Good Morning America. She endorsed it, and so did Barbara Corcoran and from, from Shark Tank. And I would love to talk about how I, how I got them to endorse the book, you know, challenges in writing the book, um, challenges in, um, you know, coming up with the name and, and why I named it Think Like a Stripper. Right. And um, so sort of the behind story. fun stuff I can add to it. Well, yeah. the business component of making that work. Right. Yeah, yeah. The yes. Building the dream. That's, yeah, we're very curious. Can't well, wait to find out more. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't wait to hear about more your podcast. So we're, uh, I hope you do it. We, we totally support you. We would subscribe. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, so we're out of time. But we uh, thank you so much, Erica, for coming on and um, answering some of our questions and letting us get to know you. Um, we're talking with Erica Liramark, author of Think Like a Stripper, uh, Business Lessons to Up Your Confidence, Attract More Clients, and Rule Your Market. And you can find her work at thinklikeastripper.com. You are listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA, where we're always pushing conventional thought. <laughs> well said, T. Thanks. Erica, thank you. Everyone have a good night. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome.